Deep Knitter contains explicit content. It is also fact-checked-ish. We try our best. Listener discretion is advised. This is Deep Nerder, the podcast where we talk about true crime, nostalgia, murder. These are your hosts, Kelsey. I'm Jill. And I'm Britt. Booyah. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed in the coffin. So Carrie, I should I'm not cutting that out. That was the weirdest laugh ever. Me, I'm reading like a fucking meme about Prince Harry and Meghan, and I that <laughs> came out really creepy. That's how the podcast is gonna start today. You going <laughs> like you sounded like Beasley from Care Bears, like what? <sighs> what? That's my at home private laugh, okay? Wasn't okay. for the podcast. Okay, I'm turning uh, red. So, like, before we get into this week's topic, I want to show you the biggest flex I've ever shown you. I've been saving it. I've been sitting next to it. Yeah. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, no, never. Pog, pogs? Pogs? Bitch, these are my pogs. In a bread in a bread box. I've seen anything pogs, else, girl. But look how many there are. You have, this woman has a bunch of pogs in a bread box. Okay, so no, whoever I bought them from, I'm so sorry if you're the person I bought this from, because your mom fucking sold them to me for a banger deal, and I am so happy. But, like, they're all, like, homemade boxes, and they're yeah, all... Yeah, I saw that. So, like, it's, like, Simpsons 1 to 8 or whatever. Wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's just wait. Before you even get into that, these homemade boxes are cereal boxes that have been, like, recut into pog boxes, which like, is pretty... One. Mini wheat, honey nut cherry. Like it's it's pretty like I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, it's very Martha Stewart. But like look at all those pogs. So this is only numbers one through eight of the Simpsons collection. Look nice. how many of each one I have. That's sick. Like these are all just Bart Simpsons. And they're when pretty- you when you messaged me and were like, guess where I am at 9 a.m. in the morning, and I was like, I have no fucking idea, but you look tired. I am all night with the dogs and then my alarm went off and I was like why is my alarm going off so early on a fucking Sunday like I should be sleeping and then I was like I have to drive to Steveston to get my not even for pizza for pogs pogs like I drove like 30 to 45 minutes each way to get pogs from like a woman on the edge of Richmond what's a flex like uh, it's a flex. Oh, and then there's also like toilet paper rolls. Nice. These are also filled with pogs. Nice. I was like, so, oh my god. <clears throat> I saw your Calgary Flame slammer, but do you have a Red Wing slammer? I don't. Fuck. It literally was like, if there's a Red Wing slammer, like Christmas is sorted. Yeah, I'm gonna like fly through the computer screen. Like, oh my god, so cool. But that's Dude, my flex for this. Week. I know I have my pogs somewhere at my parents' house. Dude, you don't have a thousand Simpsons pogs. I, I do not, but <laughs> I, I have happy. a Red Wings. I have a Red Wing slammer. <laughs> the Red Wing slammer. Show Bob, like nice. literally, so many of them are just Simpsons. And then I was like, I'm gonna get Simpsons rich. Do you remember when? Sideshow Bob was arrested and the tattoo on his chest said, kill Bart, kill. And they're like, well, clearly you want to kill Bart. And he's like, no, where I'm from, it means the Bart, the. Oh, my God. No, because I've never watched The Simpsons. Really? What? what? I don't really watch. I'm, I wasn't allowed when I was younger, so I've never really been into it. Yeah, but that's how you, like, rebel. 
No, I was like content watching like Pokemon and shit. I was like, okay, I'm not missing much. I have this. So my parents were like, don't watch South Park. And I was like, cool. And then I watched South Park. And then when I got older, I rewatched South Park. And it was actually funny because I got the adult jokes. I haven't watched that either. And I like, oh, I'm crying. So good. Mm. On that topic, uh, we are not covering South Park or The Simpsons this week. Nope. We are covering the board game that could kill you. And no, it's not. <gasps> it's Jumanji. Ooh. And then this is like drum, insert drum yeah. sound. The Jumanji drums, like insert here. Um, do you remember the the spinoff? Not the spinoff, sorry. Um, the kind of remake movie where it was like in outer space uh that's zathura thank you zathura i fucking adored that movie um maybe i watched it was there a bunny in it dude it had what's her face's husband clicking it zathura blah 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 it had dak shepherd kristen stewart nope dak shepherd is who's Kristen Stewart's no, Kristen in the movie. Stewart's in the movie. Dak Shepard's married to Kristen Bell. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. <clears throat> and it was, but funny. I'd like to watch it. I think. Yeah, I I truly adored it, but also like I really liked Outer Space when I was little. So that kind of like I'm like the jungle floating in outer space forever. For some no. reason, that seemed better. I don't know why. It's like my fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. <laughs> so I thought. Jumanji would be pretty banging because, like, what a great movie. Also, Mm -hmm. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Alan Parrish. Alan fucking Parrish. Robin Williams is such a national treasure, and I am so sorry for the younger generations that you... Like, he's not not around anymore. It's so sad. So, like, you're missing out on like the magic that was him, but I'm so glad that you can go back and like watch his stuff, you know? Um, I met him once. That's so cool. I, okay. So actually I got two, two side sidebars for you. So I personally, myself only met him one time and okay. I'll just tell the story and we'll, we'll get into it. So I was working at a Thai restaurant in Langley. Checks and, out. Yep. And he, I, Okay, so there's no secret Robin Williams uh, partook in rehab, which is totally fine. Rehab is very healthy, should be celebrated, good for him. And anyways, I guess it was like around there. I think it was around when he was doing Night at the Museum. Um, I'm not, I don't have all the answers. Anyways, working at this tiny Thai restaurant, uh, the restaurant's closing and the uh, this like dude shows up and he has a big beard and just like runs in and he's like, Hey, uh, I, I need to order two pad ties. And I'm like, Oh, like we're closing. And he's like, please. And I look at my boss and my boss is like, well, we're closing. So if, if like, if he's late, like if you want to wait for him, my boss was very nice, but she was just being honest. She's like, if, if you're going to put this order through, if you want to wait for him, if he's late. And I was like, I'll wait. It's cool. I'm like 17. Like, <laughs> sure. Allow me to wait for the strange man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So anyways, um, put the order through, clo- close up the restaurant. My bosses are, uh, they're, they're in the back. They haven't left yet. So I'm still inside, but the door's locked. He does show up, but it's past closing. So I run outside to give him these two pad ties 
And um, as I'm giving him these two pad ties, he like looks me right in the eye and he goes, thank you. And as I'm looking at him, all I can say is, you're the genie. Genie. You're the genie. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, and I couldn't talk. I was like, oh my God, I can't talk. He was like, thank you so much. And he just like took off. I probably would have burst into tears. I don't handle those kind of things well. My reaction is to just cry. No, I froze. I fucking froze. And all I could say was, you're the genie. I was like, you're, you're the, the genie. genie. Yeah. Oh, my That's God. That's all I could say. Um, And then the other thing that happened was my mom and my sister, my dad, and my sister's friend were going to San Francisco one time. Mm-hmm. And they ended up in, like, the VIP lounge I don't know what that's called like the Air Canada lounge or some shit yeah classy and and my mom was like oh my god that's Robin Williams and my sister is like super bold like she's like like I won't I won't do this um like we were on an airplane with Ryan Reynolds one time my sister just like marched over to him (laughs) I was like don't do it and she's like I'm doing it so we I wasn't there so they were in this VIP lounge and um Amber's like that's Ryan Reynolds and or no sorry that's Robin Williams and my mom's like, yeah. So my sister just marched right up to him. And then his like keeper was like, no, 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 like back away. And then Robin Williams is like, absolutely get over here. And he took a big family picture with my mom and dad and my sister and her friends with him. Oh and my he God. was just like, my mom said he was as nice as the day is long. And he was just a wonderful person. That is so cool. Yeah. So it just kind of goes to show you really don't know who's suffering and how and that is yeah. fucking banging, though. Yeah. Whereas we're, with my story, my bosses, I, re- I ran back inside, and I'm like, oh, that was Robin Williams. And my boss was like, sure. And then it became like this joke. <laughs> is that him? And you're like, go away. It was him. God fucking damn it. That would have been so cool. Oh, my gosh. I'd be so happy. I know when I know, and I know that I knew. Yes. Well, not only is Robin Williams the st- one of the stars of this movie, <laughs> but I didn't realize how many people were actually in this movie. Like I, so oh, yeah? I watched it last night, as I like to do every time we cover anything I can watch. Like we also have Bonnie Hunt. We have Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. Like. I forgot that they were in it because when I think right. about it, I just immediately go like Robin Williams, Alan Dunn. Exactly. Kirsten so Dunn. Right? She was really good when she was younger. I mad appreciate her. Well, she's still good as an adult. Meh. I like her back then. No, I, no. No, she has a really good show on Crave. Um I'll have to get back to you on that, but it, there, she, oh, how she's good. Like a god in New York City or something? No, <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll circle back. We'll circle back. This is horrible. Cut this whole cut this whole podcast. So Jumanji no, came we'll out in 1995. We'll so it came out when I was six, which like checks out. I feel like I've definitely seen this movie more in my life than I've not seen it in my life. So I feel like that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I remember being, like, pretty, like, it was kind of scary for a kid's movie to me. Like, with all the creatures and everything flying out of the game. So, if you don't know what Jumanji is, basically, Jumanji is a game. And the players have to roll a dice. And every time you roll a dice, you release a different element from, like, the jungle. 
and it comes mm-hmm. into your world. And the whole point of Jumanji is to get your character to like the center of the game and you have to say Jumanji. Are you ready for this? Yes. I own Jumanji. <gasps> I have Girl. Okay. I own Jumanji. Like I have the right. heart. It's right. hardwood. Isn't that so cool? So so quick quickly quickly one circle back. It's um so it's she's the show's called on B sorry. I'm not talking properly right now. I'm like too taken aback by that board game. <laughs> it's so cool, right? I'm like, because when I was little, I had the board game, but it was cardboard. And like, that's a flex. This was that like... the flex? That's shit. No, that's my like... pogs were the flex, but like. Dude. Uh... Isn't that so cool? I found it at a thrift like, store. I, I shit you not for $2.99. Girl. I know. So. What I was trying to say before I was like bedazzled by your fucking wooden Jumanji game. I didn't even have to buy that after we recorded. I had that pre-recording. I know you did. So Kirsten Dunn's the the show we were talking about is on becoming a god in Central Florida. And it's hilarious and awesome. And I recommend. It was a god. That's close. Yeah, you were close. Um, And then also... When I was in elementary school, at some unknown age, because I'm ageless, my little sister got me a present. It it was Jumanji, but she was so excited that it was Jumanji. I was having like a party and I was like, no, you can't be here. You can't be here. I think I must have, we must have been like, it's early elementary school. And she's like, no, I want to be there. And I was like, no, I don't want you to be here. And she's like, no, I want all your friends to see that I got you Jumanji. And then she's like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> all your friends see what I got you because it's amazing. Yeah, well, because she was so excited, which is so cute. Yeah. And but my Jumanji was cardboard and, and shit. No, no offense to her. But like that Jumanji is that's fucking hardwood. That's you're an adult. Oh, my God. Okay. Don't know where we were, but Jumanji came out in 1995, and then it was directed by Joe Johnston. I didn't know who Joe Johnston was, but I looked up other things he's done, and he's actually done a lot of movies. Okay. He's done Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He directed Hmm. The Page Master. What a banger. The which one? The Page Master. Oh! The Page Master, Macaulay Culkin. And, like, goes on adventures with books. Yeah, dude, that's my favorite movie. I used to love that when I was little. He also did October Sky, Jurassic Park 3, and he also did Captain America, the first Avenger. Really? I guess, like, when I think, like, I don't really think about directors, I guess. Which is fair. I just think about, like, James Cameron, because he directed James Cameron's Avatar, and I love Avatar. Totally. But also, like... Directors do need more appreciation, obviously, because like they're they're leading that charge. So, like I said, when I got so excited about my wooden Jumanji that I own, Jumanji is a board game. So the whole premise of the movie is that this board game, like it plays this like cool drum music. So Jumanji is a board game, and 
basically you hear like drums and then usually people are attracted to the drumming of the game. And then as soon as you like roll a dice in the game, it assumes you're playing and puts you in the game. So in the movie Jumanji, Mm -hmm. Alan Parrish and a girl named Sarah Whittle, Alan is like bullied. He ends up finding this game goes home Sarah and him end up hearing the drums at his house so they go and they roll the dice and then when they roll the dice like I think bats come out first like bats come flying out at Sarah and they scream and then Alan rolls the dice and the dice says in the jungle you must wait until the dice reads five or eight and then it sucks him in and Sarah screams and runs Mm -hmm. And basically the game gets lost and then the movie goes ahead into the future. And this is when Kristen Dunst and her brother, her name's Judy. Her brother's name is Peter. He's played by Bradley Pierce. He was also in The Borrowers because I didn't know what he was in. And I was like, oh, yeah, The Borrowers. He's like the little boy in The Borrowers. I really liked that movie. So they end up moving into the old parish house with like her aunt so their parents have been in an accident so their aunt is their guardian they move into this house move to a new city for a fresh start and they end up skipping school and hearing the drums upstairs because alan's parents had just put the game upstairs and then they left because their son had gone missing they end up going and finding the drums and then they see like two players are already stuck on the board so they're like that's weird they won't come off it must be like a magnet and then they roll the dice and they something I don't remember what happens. I watched it last night, but something happens and they roll the dice again and it gets like, oh, there's a, t- a, a tiger comes out. Right, right, right. It, can't, it like runs out of the room. Yeah. And then Peter rolls the dice and it lands on like a five. And so the tiger's coming for them. And all of a sudden, like fucking Robin Williams comes flying through the air and like all these crazy jungle clothes and he's like what year is it and then he's like which one you rolled like a five or an eight and so like he's been in the game for like 26 years or something like living in the jungle so he gets pulled out and then basically they realize they have to beat the game jumanji to get everything to be better again so they end up going and finding adult sarah whittle and then the four of them go on like an adventure of them versus the board game, but every time you roll the dice, something, like, new and horrible is released from the game. Like so life, the, like real life. Like, into real life. So they're in, like, the no, real... No, no, but, like, like real life. Oh, yeah, we are in fucking Jumanji. Somebody yeah, right needs now. to find the game and finish it, because yeah. we've had Murder Hornets, we've had Tiger King. Yeah. We have, like, get me the fuck out of here. Yo, and and now, Yeah. Just like someone roll a five or an eight and save oh our God, asses, please. Roll a five or an eight. Please. So what ends up happening is a character named Van Pelt gets released and he's been trying to hunt Alan Parrish in the jungle for the last 26 years. So he gets released out and they're basically trying to play the game, but also deal with like there's stampedes, there's mosquitoes, there's like rhinoceros, rhinoceros, there's plants that look like they're from the little shop of horrors. They're like going nuts. Like basically this place has become like a fantasy nightmare Amazon. So they have to fight elements as well as try and beat the game. I it's was not a ter- good time. I was fucking terrified of this game when I was younger. I was like, this is like Ouija board level for me. Like, yeah. What 
actually rolled the dice and your little piece like magnetized to it and then all of a sudden like bats flew out of your chimney like fuck no um and then also fun fact you probably know this that it was filmed in vancouver i didn't know that yeah it's filmed in vancouver so you like the the house where alan Parrish grew up is no longer there it's an empty lot but you can still find the trees and there's there's a place on I think it's up Main Street maybe I have to double check but it still says Alan Paris shoes or Paris shoes so not Alan Alan that's so cool Paris shoes yeah it's still there and then people put um, letters to Robin Williams on it oh my heart yeah so like there's actually like a tour you can do a whole tour around Vancouver where it was filmed that's so cool I would love Mm. to do that but. I remember being, like, super terrified of that game when I was younger and just being like, that's so crazy. Like, even at one point, Peter, like, turns into a monkey. Yeah. And he becomes, like, half monkey, half boy, and there's, like, an alligator, or there's, like, a monsoon, and Van Pelt's, like, it's trying scary. to like, The that's house so is filling up with stressful. water, and there's alligators. People are, like, being stung by, like, mos- those giant Amazon mosquitoes and, like, dying. So, like, when you look at it, like... The movie was quite funny because of the casting, but that is, like, super terrifying. In true 90s fashion, they're, like, they're more adult than we think they are. Let's just let's just throw it all at oh them. Kristen Dent's character is, like, a pathological liar, too, because their parents died. And so she, like, has blocked off all of her emotions and just, like, lies to everybody. Whereas her brothers, like, stop talking. So he doesn't like to talk to anybody anymore except his sister. And they have to work through Poor their damaged little babies. Like, oh, so damaged. But it was the 90s. So like, yeah. nobody's getting therapy because that's silly. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone needs to be brooding and mysterious. It's cool. Yeah. I also took it one step further because <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to do Jumanji, I'm going to watch the new Jumanji, too. Yes. I actually really like I fucking love new Jumanji I I remember when it came out I was really like fuck this I don't want to see it I have no interest in this I hate remakes because the thing I hate about remakes is like if you're gonna remake something it either needs to be way better or you should play off the old movie. So, like, mm-hmm. I love female Ghostbusters in the sense of yes. the cast. I love the story. Like, I I hate the story. I hate that they redid it. I hate that they couldn't have played off the old one. Because the old one was also so good. So, like, I wish that they had made it. Like, they had found... One of them was, like, one person's daughter or something, family member something, mm-hmm. buys the car at the auction, finds the, like, ghost trapper, opens it, lets the ghost out, and then they all have to figure out how to be Ghostbusters. Like, that well, would have been they, they have that coming. That actual... That actual I know. Ghost- yeah. But I wish that they had done it off the original because this cast was so banger, and I hate that they tried to remake the whole thing. So... The reason why I love Jumanji is because they adapted from the old Jumanji and changed it for, like, the newer age we live in and made it way cooler. So instead of being a board game, in the new Jumanji, it starts out as a board game, but then the kids aren't interested in it. 
So the board game then morphs into like an Atari kind of Nintendo video game. So then people are interested. And I'm like, I fucking love that. And then I love that in this version, the characters get sucked into Jumanji and you see it from a different perspective rather than Jumanji coming out into the real world. Like, I Mm -hmm. fucking love that concept. This movie was so good. It was good. So they they got sucked in and became avatars. Yeah. I remember, like, Tara made me go see it in theaters and I was pissed because I was like, this is going to be shit. I can't can I, can I just say something? See this. One yes. thing. Jack Black. Oh my God, Jack Black! Like School of Rock is like a five star movie, and like I have this really like I love Shallow Hell so much, and I don't know why, but I and I love The Holiday. Jack Black is amazing. Oh, the Holiday. Treasure. The Holiday is my absolute favorite movie, but it might be because I'm in love with Jude Law. I'm not sure. I'm in love with Jude Law. Or Cameron Diaz. I, I, Either or. Like, it's so good. And then we also have, so like the main characters, it's four teenagers. Well, there's one teenager and he pulls like an Alan Parrish and he gets sucked into the game and disappears like mm-hmm. early. He's played by like one of the Jonas brothers, which is like Nick Jonas. Yes. I love it. I don't know. And then these four students... They end up getting detention at school and their detention is to, like clean the basement and they find the video game and then they're all like, ho, ho, let's play the video game. And so they all get sucked into the game, but you got to, ch- they got to choose their characters before they went in. So like our main boy, he's kind of a nerd. His name's Spencer. He gets sucked into the game and he chose doc- <laughs> Dr. Smolder Braveheart. Mm-hmm was played by the rock so this nerd goes into this game and comes out like just the best like the rock so amazing and his like one of his powers is to give like a smoldering sexy stare i love it (laughs) then the second character's name's fridge he's like a big jock and he kind of like bullies spencer a bit and so they end up in detention together he goes into the game and he chooses this character and his name's mouse and he ends up being fucking Kevin Hart, who is, like, super tiny compared to The Rock. And his job is just to, like, carry a big backpack. And so he, they just, like, he's very knowledgeable about stuff. But he also, like, just carries everything. And he's kind of, like, the bitch. And so his, his, like, weakness is cake. Oh, my God. His weakness is cake. So, like, he can't <laughs> get around cake or he dies. And then we have Bethany. So she's like the blonde, super popular, like super cool girl at school. And she picks Dr. Uh, Shelley. Dr. Shelley sounds so smart and cool. Fucking Dr. Shelley is Jack Black. Shelley's short for Sheldon. So this super like hot blonde girl becomes Jack Black, which is hilarious. A la like Rob Schneider in Hot Chick or whatever it's called. (laughs) Fucking hilarious. And, and it's it's great because the whole time Jack Black's like, ew, no, oh my god. Acting he, like, like a really ditzy teenage girl, like, oh my god, that's disgusting, ew. Like, he does such a good job. <laughs> and then the last character is Martha, and she's kind of like this quiet, awkward, like, redhead kind of girl, and she's very cynical. And she becomes Ruby Roundhouse, which is played by Karen Gillian, who mm-hmm. is Nebula. Yeah, I was going to say Nebula, yeah. In Guardians of the Galaxy. She's great. I really love her. I thought she was really funny in this role. 
But basically in this game, instead of like fighting in the real world, it's a video game. So they all get three lives and then you have to make it to the end of the level by beating the game. Mm-hmm. There's also a second new Jumanji. I haven't watched that. One. I'm, I might watch that one tonight. But I don't know it if makes, I've seen the second one. It's pretty good, but it's like these two scene. I think it's like one or two or something senior citizens. Like grandpas get sucked into this game and then their kids have to go like looking for them. But basically what happens is like it's really sad because one of the grandpas like becomes this young character in the game so he can like actually walk and do stuff again. Oh, no, I think I have stay. I think I have seen it. Wait alert, but he like ends up, he wants to stay in the game. Yeah, like he's no, like, I, I I've seen Come it. Back and like so fucking well. I don't know if our listeners have seen it. No, no, but I'm like that's for myself. I'm like I'm like but, realizing I've seen it. Yeah. My yeah. Bad. And like I remember watching that one and like crying, and I was like I shouldn't yeah. be fucking Jumanji too. No, but I you get it. But like it was really good. So like I'm really happy with this like readaption i love the casting but i like i love the rock and i love jack black so i mean you could put him in anything if you could put the rock in anything and i'll watch it dude i want to be the rock for like a day i just want to know what that's like pancakes at like once like on his cheat day sundays or whatever do you ever look at the food he eats it's wild yeah i I do but i just want to know what it's like to like walk outside and be the rock Oh my god. Yeah. Right? And like I just I just walk outside, be the rock and like smile at anyone to see what happens. He's so amazing. But like I'll say it once and I'll say it again. Jumanji is five stars out of five stars. It is such the original amazing. I also appreciate the lack of CGI we had in the original because the like that's our favorite. I love puppets. I love animatronics. It's way more realistic to me than most CGI. So, like, all of the animals, Mm -hmm. most animals, I'd say, like, you can tell Summer redone, obviously, but it was so bad that it was good. CGI's on point. The, like, plants, like, the vines, you can tell that they've been, like, actually moved and wrapped around stuff. Super amazing. Mm -hmm. Even, like, the fake-ass lion or whatever was really good. Yeah. The animatronics in that movie are out of control. I love it. Five out of five. If you haven't seen Jumanji, highly recommend watching. And if you own the board game, it's super not fun just to play with two people. <laughs> you need, yeah, you need more than two people. A thousand percent. It's so not fun with two people. Yeah, well, it's very telling that originally they played it with two people and one kid got sucked into the jungle forever, so. Like, bitch, roll five or an eight. <laughs> Start from there. But okay, amazing. Good job. Good job. So can't wait to hear jungle crime. Yeah. So for me, after this like beautiful heartfelt segment, I'm going to take it incredibly left field, and. and also, like, geographically left field. We're just going to, like, we're going to leave Canada. We're going to go. But we're going to talk about the jungle in Seattle. Ooh! I'm, like, so excited that I feel like because you've been doing 
the crime role, you're like slowly getting out of diet crime and you're going to like <laughs> full fat crime. Yeah. And I just want to say I'm really proud of your growth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, I, anyways, I'm, I, yeah, I appreciate it. But, you know, baby steps. Okay. Steps so, or steps. This, this particular topic, we're going to focus a, 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 like a, quite a bit on this area and then a little bit on this person because he's a little controversial and I'm not really sure how I feel, but we'll go. Okay. Ooh, excited. Yes. Okay. So. The Jungle. So the Jungle is a green belt on the western slope off Beacon Hill. And when you say Beacon Hill, to me, I'm like, ooh, Hellboy books. Because in one of the Hellboy books, they, there's like a whole thing around Beacon Hill. Anyways, so it's in Seattle. There you go. So okay. it's a homeless encampment. And it is also home to a lot of crime, which unfortunately goes hand in hand. There we are. So the Jungle consists of more than 160 acres underneath and along the elevated section of the Interstate 5 between South Dearborn Street and South Lucille Street. An assessment counted 201 tents and an estimated, or sorry, an estimate of more than 400 people in the area prior to a particular shooting that happened on January 26, 2016, that I'm not covering, but that is important. That increased scrutiny and a sweep of the green space if the area was continue was going to be continued to be used. So this is like, um, it's a huge area where basically people have just kind of taken over and made a, a small town. They live there. Okay, it's kind of like, is it kind of like how Strathcona Park and stuff were like? A- absolutely. Yes. Okay. Cool. But like way bigger, way bigger. So, uh, okay. We're in Seattle, right? Yeah, we're in Seattle. Can I so, uh, can I give you some facts? Please, I always talk over <laughs> you. Let's go. Do it. I was just going to say that in case you guys were wondering, because we are in Seattle and it's not too far from Vancouver, BC, if you were wondering about the precipitation, because I know you are. Vancouver, as we know, annually gets about like 146 centimeters. Seattle's mm-hmm. not too far off. They're actually one of the wettest places we've covered. They're about like 94 centimeters. That's pretty good. That's not bad. We're getting a little wetter. I'm trying to We're getting wetter. Getting wetter. They're a what are they? A whack? A city? A whack? A wet ass city? Whack. Oh, I like it. Okay. All right. Back to so you. the history. Homeless people may have used this area as early as the 1930s. We don't really know. It gained notoriety in the 1990s when the city began kind of focusing on it. In 1994, about 50 campsites yielded 120 tons of trash. Damn. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, when I laugh, I'm not obviously making fun of this. That's just like, they're just, they're not, they don't have access to anyways you know you know okay yeah yeah so anyways in the 1990s periodic bulldozing started by the the city or state department of transportation and it led to complaints of the city providing little or no warning before cleaning up encampments so the city just decided that they were just going to start sweeping through this and cleaning it up and not telling people which was a big fucking problem obviously like you have to still treat people like people and yeah, you got to give them, like, a warning. That's not yeah. cool. Yeah, they were not. 
Along with numerous and ongoing lower-profile deaths and murders, the bodies of three women were found murdered by a serial killer between September 1997 and February 1998. Other deaths include transients struck by vehicles while attempting to cross the nearby freeways, and even a homeless man, this one is pretty bad, who was sleeping in a blackberry thicket and was mowed over by landscape workers. Holy fuck, that's horrible. Yeah, so this this area is, it's very populated and not looked after. The city's kind of ignored it, and then when they don't ignore it, they just try to, like, fuck the people over, which is stupid. So the jungle increasingly has become a haven for criminals, especially in the 2000s. So criminal activity included assaults, unfortunately, and then rapes. Um, I, the, the article says prostitution, so I'm going to say that, but... Anyways, and murders. Residents in Beacon Hill and the neighborhood have complained about being burglarized by those staying in the jungle. Gang members um, using the area for drug trade has also become a concern and weapon trade. In the early 2000s, a gravel road was actually put in by city workers so that they could take down some brush and have accessibility so they could get emergency vehicles in there and like get other people in there. Uh, also, they tried to put in a mountain to sound bike corridor through there in the fall of 2001 because they figured if they could get this like bike road area through there, it would be more accessible. They and they they ended up putting in lighting and garbage cans and uh, actually porta potties to help. But yeah. ultimately, it's it's still not the greatest area. So. You're kind of getting the idea of this specific area. And it what's really kind of sad about this is the city is like, oh, yeah, like, first of all, we'll clean it up. Well, you know, that doesn't work because we are not contacting these people. They're not getting any information from us. And then second of all, we're like, oh, we're going to, like, gentrify it and, like, huck in a mountain bike path or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you're, I love the initiative. But, like, there's no initiative to actually help these people or place them? No. Yeah. They're just kicking them out. Yeah, which is fucking stupid. And, like, it needs to be acknowledged that the people in this area are not just, like, quote-unquote transients or, like, quote-unquote drug dealers or whatever. It's, like, these are people that are hard on their luck. They're just not having a good time. It's families. Right? The only difference is that I live in a house and that happens around me and unfortunately they don't yeah well like that shit happens everywhere it doesn't matter where you live people yeah and and like you can you can yeah we're in canada so i don't know like our system's a little different than america but like one article i read was it was it was a specifically it was a family and a couple dogs and like the, they suffered from mental illness and like addiction and they had nowhere to go and like that's just where that was their home yeah <laughs> It's hard I'm to like, get stuff. Uh, my America. heart. Yeah. So there, it's it's not like. Anyways, it's difficult. It sucks. So on January 26, 2016, this is another specific incident. Two people were killed and three people were injured during a shooting in the jungle encampment. So essentially, what's happening is there is people come like this specific incident anyways people were coming in and shooting people because they were trying to get drugs off of somebody else so the area it's not being Jesus. policed 
it's a little dangerous. And like I mentioned, there's families there. It's not, it's not the greatest. No. And I feel bad because it's being handled terribly by the political. Yeah, exactly. Everybody. So now we know a little bit about the jungle. Very, very surface level. We're going to segue into a serial killer. So Dwayne Lee Harris. So Dwayne Lee Harris, he's born on 1963. He's also known as the Seattle Jungle Killer or Chili Willie, but mostly widely known as the Seattle Shoelace Killer. I've never heard of this guy. Yeah, and there's good reason, and we're going to roll into this. It's going to be kind of a conversation. Ooh. Because I don't know. I watched a, I watched a bunch of interviews, and I'm just kind of on the fence. So. Oh, I'm excited. Dwayne is an American serial killer who killed three women in Seattle between 97 and 98, dumping their bodies near freeways, which he, well, two of the women he dumped in the jungle. While jailed for a robbery charge, he ended up confessing to the murders, and then he ended up subsequently sentenced to 93 years imprisonment. So. Holy crow. Yeah. I'll get to it. So the first victim was 42-year-old Denise Marie Harris no relation, whom Dwayne met on First Avenue in Seattle, along with an unnamed accomplice, suspicious. They strangled Denise with a belt, removing some of her clothing and binding her hands, ankles, and shoelaces. Sorry, binding her hands and ankles with shoelaces. He also stuffed her bra in her mouth. Harris's body was then dumped in the jungle. An undeveloped... Oh, yeah, no. Cut that out. We already know that. Denise's body was found on September 12th by a transient man walking in the area. Not long after Harris picked up a 33-year-old named Antoinette Jones, he accused her of stealing drugs from him and proceeded to strangle her with a leather belt. Like Denise, he, he bound her wrists and ankles with shoelaces wrapping an additional shoelace around her neck. Her body was dumped in the jungle as well. Her skeletal remains were found on February 1st, 98. About a her half what? mile. Skeletal. Skeletal? Her, her what? Skeletal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when I worked when I worked in the vet, skeletal was normal. Skeletal? Yeah. Girl, put us back in that group chat. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> skeletal. All right. Yeah. I was like sick. That's how that's I don't know. Okay. Skeletal? Every vowel. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> Back to you. <clears throat> Where her skeletal remains were found on February 1st, 1998. About a half mile from where Harris was found, forensic tests proved that she had been there for at least three months. I think that's pretty quick for her to be skeletal, as you would say. That's, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, decomposition rates, but I'm like, no, that's, like, oh, what? I guess, like, the elements. Well, it'd be, like, be October, November, December, January, February. That's, like, five months. 
and well, it's like been there animal. for at least three months, but she could have been there for three to five, like that. Yeah, no, yep. that's like, yeah, yep, I guess okay. that checks out. I'm glad we had to think about that. Well, you know, we're not, we're smarter together than we are apart. In the meeting room. The last victim was 25-year-old Olivia Smith, whose death date is uncertain. After picking her up from an apartment building at Airport Way South, Harris and Smith engage in a violent argument about exchanging drugs and sex. After which, Dwayne took out a knife and stabbed her numerous times and slashed her throat. He left her body at the scene where it was discovered on the stairwell January 10th, 1998. So, how he actually got arrested was he was going into... So, here, okay. I, I watch an inner... I, like, listen to a, like, a an interview with him. Someone interviewed him, like, called the jail... Okay. And he says he was going into a 7-Eleven, and this is true for the most part. He was going into a 7-Eleven. He was going to rob the 7-Eleven, and he, like, asked for a job application, and he wrote on it, like, I'm going to rob you. And then when he slid it back, they hit the panic button or called the police or whatever. Okay. And then, anyways, when he came outside, the police were there. I don't know the legitimacy of this timeline, but there you go. And they arrested him. So... While being arrested for burglary, he confessed to these murders. So the thing is, is this individual, like, A, he's a person of color. Totally fine. But it doesn't, like, I. so, okay, so I listened to this entire interview with him, right? And I'm just, like, not fully sure. And, like, I listened to, like, his girlfriend. His girlfriend, they don't give it her name, but... She's like, oh, he's a pathological liar. Like, uh, this is, he just wants attention. And when you listen to some of the lawyers on, like, the defense, they're like, we're just kind of thinking he wants attention. Like, it's very uneasy. And when you listen to this interview, he keeps saying, like, when the interviewer asks him some, like, asks him something, he's like, oh, that's exactly right. Or not exactly right. Anyway, something okay. like that. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I listened to it twice, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. So I'm just opening my book here. Sorry, my pages. Okay. So they ask him, like, how is your home life? Like, how, like what happened? He's like, oh, I, you know, I was born in Boston. I moved to Seattle. I was raised by my sister. And then they start asking him more about his home life. And he's like, oh, my mom was there all the time. And she was, like, very strict. Okay. And um, so he, they're like, oh, like, basically anything that they say, he kind of, it's like they're, it's kind of like they're feeding him. You know what I mean? Yes. So the interviewer is like, uh, did you have, well, not always true, but, like, the interviewer is like, did you have, like, any abuse? And he's like, oh, well, yeah, my mom used to hit me. She was really strict or something like that. And then he's like, oh, well, I had a really good relationship with my father. But he never talks about his father the entire interview, and he never brings up his sister again after that. He, like, only focuses kind of on his mom. Oh. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd. And, like, so the interviewer just kind of just keeps asking him questions and he's like, Oh, like, were you in a gang? Yeah, I was in a gang. Oh, well, like, were you, um, like, how, how did you get into the gang? And he's like, Oh, well, I put in work. And then the interviewer, 
the interview is like, well, like, what does that mean? Does that mean you had to hurt somebody or like, how does that look? And he's like, oh, well, I just put in work. And the interviewer is like, okay, so putting in work is accomplishing tasks. And he's like, exactly. And it's like, okay, you know, it just, it just, it's a very, an unusual kind of interview. So they keep going. And then he asks him about one of the murders and he's, he asked them about specifically the first murder. He's like, okay, Denise Marie Harris. Um, how, like, how did that come about? And he's like, oh, she was my best friend. She's my best friend. And she thought that I stole her drugs. So we started arguing and she wouldn't listen. And then I just like stabbed her a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. You know how you handle an argument. Yeah, exactly. That's Jesus. how I normally handle stuff. So then they keep going and they ask, like, okay, well, like, what about the other ones? And he's like, well, you know, like, these women, they're just caught up in a world they shouldn't have been caught up in. It was the wrong place in the wrong time. And he starts asking about another one of the murders and he repeats the same story as Harris. But he doesn't say it's his best friend, but he says, like, the same thing. Oh. So it's yeah, it's super kind of weird. Um, but he he puts emphasis. He's like, well, yeah, there was no sexual motivation. It was just like he's like, I just killing women was my hobby and like whatever, whatever. But listening to that from my uneducated perspective, I I kind of feel like I just think he's really mentally ill and I'm a little unsure if he was actually responsible for these but anyway maybe he's while just he like... was in court too he was he just like he just wants attention I'm unsure it's it's a really fucking weird one and there's so little known about it like there's very very minute bits of information like, the fact that I found this interview, like, he's openly giving interviews. Like, we could have called the prison and been like, yo. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine if we did that and you leveled up? I just don't know if I have it in me. But, but yeah, no. And then, like, when he was in prison, or sorry, when he was on on trial, he, he was, like, reluctant. And he didn't want to, like, speak to anybody. He was so arrogant and so, like, aggressive. They actually had to strap him down to a chair. They had to fully strap him into a chair because he was, like, so, like, freaking out in the courtroom. And then on the last day, he showed zero remorse. And the, on the last day of court, he was like, I just want the families to know, like, I'm super sorry, but it won't change anything because, like, I'm gonna still going to be, like, listening to my radio and, like, walking around, like, chilling in prison. So there's no justice. Jesus. <laughs> yes. Yeah, dude. And then, like. I should send you this interview. It was kind of like, you know, when you listen to an interview and you're like, I'm kind of, it's kind of chilly. This dude, I'm like, I just think you're kind of sick. I get those like weird interview vibes from a certain podcast that we're not going to mention yeah, that, that we that both one? listen to. Yeah. But they have a lot of like the police tapes. And sometimes when I listen to them, like I have to turn it off. Yeah. No, but this was like, you know when your girl intuitions like don't get in the car with that guy or like don't talk yeah, to that guy at the bar? Yeah, your gut goes, and you yeah. go, I'll, I'll listen to you. That. 
But my gut's not necessarily doing that because I think he's going to kill me. I just think he's full of shit. And also he told the police, he's like, I've killed. The interviewer was like, hey, you mentioned to the police you've told you've killed 35 people. And he was like, oh, well. And he like jumped around a little bit. And he's like, do you mean gang kills or general kills? And he's like, well, I don't I don't know. And he's like, oh, I can't exactly say that. And it's like, okay, well, what the fuck? No, no, but totally, you're in prison. But from the moment he was arrested, he was kind of creating his own narrative and, like, f- like fluffing. So. Huh. It's a, it's a weird one. So. But anyways, he ended up being detained while he was on trial for five, a $5 million bail. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. And also I want to say too, because we mentioned earlier, he's a person of color. So I I don't, and again, there's not a lot of information on this particular case. So I, I don't know if he was offered the proper psychological assessment that he should be. Fair. Which really concerns me considering like the yo-yo stuff about all of this. Um, but Yeah. This one, that's why I said this is kind of open for discussion. There's a a book series that I read once and they have these things in it called a confessor. Mm -hmm. And what a confessor does is like they're kind of like a queen, sort of. Mm -hmm. But what happens is they touch you. You can only tell the truth. But at the same time, your life becomes void because you become like a servant to them. And, like, mm-hmm. I wish we had somebody, like, in our world that could just, like, touch people and make them tell the truth. Because mm-hmm. I'm so curious about stuff like this. Like, is he okay? Or is he, like, not okay? Did he do it? Did he not do it? Like, yeah, I want to know all the things. And I hate that I can't. Totally. And, and it's frustrating because, like, if this person – oh, the other thing he mentioned, sorry. In the interview, they're, like – yo, like, what about strangling with shoelaces? And he's like, I never did that. Like, he, like, denies all of the shoelaces. But they're there. Yeah, but also he didn't actually strangle them with, they were just there. So they said he used belts, so it's that's kind of a moot point. But still, the fact that he, like, fully denies the shoelaces is, like, like exactly what you just said. So I'm I'm totally unsure whether or not this person is, like, very, very mentally ill and needs, like, super, a lot of help. Or, like, what the fuck is happening? Ugh, I want to know more. I know, I know. It's such, a, it's such a weird one. It's like, ah, and, like, yeah, looking up it, there's not a lot. So. I also like that you picked a case where the, the, the I was going to say the character, but it's not a character. No, where no, the person's name is Dwayne. And then in Jumanji 2, we have Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dwayne, which was a coincidence. And also this was happening in the 90s, which coincides with the OG one. Solid choice. Yeah, I I found it and I was like, this is interesting. It's called The Jungle. Um, Fuck you, Seattle and a lot of other people for not people, places, places, sorry, my bad. For like not, again, this is a constant thing we talk about where it's like, wow, there's a problem. We're not going to like help the problem. We're going to just fucking bulldoze through it. Like therapy would be a good idea. Public housing is a good idea. Like, nah, just plow through. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I I really appreciate you picking a case I've never heard before. That was super cool. Thank you. It was Thank it was you so much for sharing. It was a little bit complicated. Um but I hope my ADD brain was on track enough. But yeah. Five stars. Thanks. 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 Do you have like I know, like, I've seen a lot of podcasts doing this, but, like, do you have any, like, cool, fun thing to recommend? Because I feel like I'm in a great mood this week, and I feel like the world is in a downer. Like, so sorry to our neighbors um, to the east, Alberta. Your life is getting really hard. (laughs) But, like, do you have anything, like, cool you've been doing? Because I know all we talk about is, like, Breath of the Wild shit. Um, So my neighbor and I started going to a hot yoga class cool which isn't for everybody but i will say i feel pretty good when i leave that thing so it might be basic white girl shit but i like it no i think my my like whoop whoop for the week would be like i'm going back to the gym tomorrow and i haven't been in two weeks and i'm like fucking so excited i am so excited and i don't have hair anymore so i don't have to put on like a fucking ponytail like i don't have hair i totally get why you don't want hair Yes, sorry, my whoop whoop is Jill just gave me a really nice haircut, and I have a really fucking sick fade on the back of my head, and I have no hair, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. It faded your hair where you can't see it, so you have to have all the hair in your face. No, but I like touching it. I, like, I keep reaching for the back of my, like, ponytail, and it's not there, and it's super fun. Your hair is so incredibly cute. You did very well. Thank you. Shout out to my hairstylist, Jaden and Devin. Yeah. Uh, if you have cool hair and you want us to see it, you can send us a DM at deepnerder on Instagram, or you can send us an email at deepnerder at gmail.com. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, topics, photos. If you have cats, I want to see them. If you have Breath of the Wild tips, I want to hear them. If you have pogs, you want to sell me, I want them. Uh, if you want to talk to Brit? I'm cool with it. Oh my god, there should be a D and D Jumanji crossover. I'm gonna email a DM as soon as we log off. <laughs> also, if you want to talk to Brit. Oh my god, and Brit, shout out to Brit. Forever. Brit on the podcast. One if you day. think we should have Brit on the podcast, um, <laughs> DM or email us. But Brit's vote doesn't count. And a closing note is forever. Justin uh, needs to like cats. Forever. Can somebody roll a fucking five or eight? Because I oh want to get out of here. Please and thank you. Go watch the oh, Five or eight. Fuck. Okay, bye. 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 bye.